Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA as a first-time lawyer. I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler, how much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary. They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, Show me, in a courtroom, how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now. M-S-W Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, July 14th, 2023. Today, the Department of Justice has filed to appeal the length of the Oath Keepers' sentences, saying they're not long enough. Steve Bannon and Mike Flynn have been ordered to testify in the Smartmatic defamation case. The Arizona Attorney General has assigned a team of prosecutors to investigate Republican election interference in 2020. The FDA has approved over-the-counter birth control pills. Jared Kushner has testified before Jack Smith's grand jury. And the Department of Justice fires back at Trump's request to delay his documents trial until after the 2024 election. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana. Happy Friday. How are you? Um, Happy Friday to you. I'm good. I'm getting through the week. It was a lot of news. Weird week. (laughs) I know. I I can't like my like it used to be because like every time a news story comes up, I copy paste, throw it in my notes. And like the patrons of the show who because if you're a patron, not only do you get like the show ad free and early, but you also get every single one of my citations and notes that I use to, to create the show. Yeah. And it's like 9 million pages long. So I don't know if you want it anymore. 
<laughs> like everyone's like, you, it. how about I pay you $6 not to send me the show notes? <laughs> That's it. You can sign up as a new level on Patreon, $4 a month, and you don't have to read my notes. How about that? Oh my God, that's funny. <laughs> and uh, if you hear echo, if it's echoey in here, I'm not in my studio. I am on the road. I'm in Chicago at Netroots. I got to be on the Rick Smith show just a, a little bit ago. I ran into Liz Winstead of uh, Abortion Access Front and, you know, Feminist Buzzkills. And I'll be at their show tomorrow. So I'm just here at Netroots Nation 2023 having a good old time. So stop by and say hi to the beans if you are out in a boat, you know, checking out the Netroots. Out in a boat, in a boat in Chicago. Out in a boat. Yeah, that, that's a more Canadian than Chicago. If you're out and about. Oh, I know. I was joking. <laughs> uh, no, I was talking about myself. I oh, <laughs> can't figure out why I'm doing a Canadian accent in Chicago. I'm just so far north, hey? I don't even know. <laughs> Chicago. Uh, if, if it's not, I don't even know how to do a Chicago accent. Chicago, TPU attitude check. Fuck you. That's what. That's at least the way we did it when when I was. I feel like Chicago and Boston are close, except Boston's a little more nasally. You don't say Oz. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, it's it's pretty close, but also very far away. So first up, a couple quick hits here. Uh, he went to Jared. Jared! Okay. Jack Smith has interviewed in front of the grand jury, Jared Kushner. Lovely. And uh, a bunch of other people too. This is all in June, right? And and you know how it was like, oh, Wyndham was seen going into the courthouse, into the Prettyman courthouse. It looks like we're at the end. It looks like we're at the end. The same thing sort of happened down at, in DC and Miami. They brought in this like giant amount of witnesses like the month before the indictment happened in the documents case. So we'll see. We'll see. But I feel like we're we're on the precipice. And there was a really, really great model prosecution memo put out by Just Security uh, and some of the best brilliant legal minds. And Norm Eisen, who is one of the legal minds who helped put this out, is going to be on the Jack podcast this Sunday to talk about that pros memo. And there was also a DOJ filing um, today where they shot back and said, no, we're sorry, you can't delay your documents trial until after the election. You're stupid. You're not the first criminal. Uh, no one else gets that. So you can't have it either. Uh, <laughs> so, AG, I have a really quick question. Um, mm-hmm. Can Jared do the fifth when he's being questioned by Jack Smith's? No. Uh, he- can he do the fifth? Does he have to answer my question instead of just saying I'm take the fifth? Yeah, I mean, unless he's going to implicate himself in a crime, which I don't think that that he is implicated in any crimes. And this would, if none of these people who came in in June are pleading the fifth or they've had their executive privilege overturned. Got it. Okay. So maybe a silly question, but. No, no, not a silly question at all. They fought those battles long ago and they didn't drag him in. He went in voluntarily. Okay, got it. Yeah. So you don't really like like go in and be like, yeah, I'll come in. That's true. No, I plead the fifth. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, but you, but I didn't say that. I didn't say that it, it was voluntary and you, you know, I didn't say whether he was subpoenaed or not. So yeah, the, no, very good question. And again, we go over all that on the Jack podcast and our, our wonderful guest, Ambassador Norm Eisen will be talking with us about his prosecution memo. It's cool, by the way, is you're going to dig it. The crimes that Donald Trump will probably be indicted with for January 6th. I think you'll enjoy it. I do. Uh, all right. We have a lot of news to get to. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. First up from NBC News, the Justice Department plans to appeal the 18-year prison sentence handed down for Stuart Rhodes, the founder of the far-right Oath Keepers, in the January 6, 2021 assault on the Capitol, as well as those of well, pretty much almost all of the other Oath Keepers. And the reason that the Justice Department 
is appealing is because the terms they say are not long enough. They're too short and they need to be longer. You, we, Judge Emmett Mehta came in well below the sentencing guidelines and we disagree. Joyce Vance says, Dana, in order to appeal, the solicitor general has to agree. Oh, wow. So you have to go pretty far up in the DOJ and it's very rare that you would do this. And I think the reason they're doing this is because they need to set a precedent for insurrection and seditious conspiracy before Donald Trump goes to trial for it as far as the sentencing is concerned. Does that make sense? I mean, sense? it sounds like, a, absolutely. And it sounds valid to me. Yeah. Because they're like, dude, we, we asked for 25 years. That was the middle of the sentencing guidelines. The low end of the sentencing guidelines was 22.1 years. And you gave him 18. And then the lowest guy on the totem pole, we asked for 12 years and you gave him four. Yeah. So, you know, at the time, you know, I had reached out to uh, Harry Dunn and, and some of my uh, officer friends and they they were satisfied with the sentences. But now, you know, that Merrick Garland is uh, appealing this or the Department of Justice is appealing these sentences, having to get the Solicitor General to sign off on it, probably Merrick Garland, too, on it. Let's be honest. I mean, this is seditious conspiracy stuff with the January 6th. I I reached out to Harry again. He's like, heck, yeah. He's like, now that the DOJ, it feels like they're fighting for me and that they're fighting for America. So. Um, It was good to hear that response from Harry. Now, although Rhodes received a lengthy sentence, they just kind of repeat what I just said. They gave him an 18-year sentence when the 25 is what the Department of Justice asked for. Still, Rhodes' sentence was the longest handed down so far. Defendants routinely appeal their convictions and sentences, but it is rare for prosecutors to challenge the length of a prison term imposed by judges who have very wide discretion when handing down punishment. Now, Rhodes' attorney, James Bright, called the government's decision to appeal surprising. Me too, James. I was also <laughs> surprised, but probably in a different way. At a sentencing hearing in May, a defiant Stuart Rhodes claimed to be a political prisoner and criticized prosecutors in the Biden administration and tried to play down his actions on the 6th. Justice Department filed notices in court that they intend to appeal the sentences of the Oath Keepers, including Florida chapter leader Kelly Meggs who was convicted of seditious conspiracy alongside Rhodes and sentenced to 12 years behind bars. Now, three other Oath Keepers tried with Rhodes were acquitted of the sedition charge, but convicted on other felonies. Four Oath Keepers were convicted of the seditious conspiracy charge at a second trial in January. An attorney for Meggs declined to comment. In May, prosecutors had urged before the U.S. District Judge Amit Mehta that Rhodes, who's 58, qualified for a lengthy sentence under federal anti-terrorism laws, given the, quote, threat of harm and the historic significance of his crimes. Mehta agreed to impose the terrorism enhancement, noting that Rhodes did not demonstrate acceptance of responsibility for his role in the attack. It was the first time the enhancement had been applied to a January 6th defendant. We were all waiting with bated breath to see if they would, if the judge would accept the terrorism enhancement. But the judge ultimately went below, and in some cases far below, as I explained, the guidelines. Justice Department's announcement came after it suffered a rare setback in a related case involving Oath Keepers associate, former Jesus Christ superstar actor, who was acquitted Wednesday, we talked about that, of conspiring with members of the far-right group to obstruct Congress. James Beeks, right? The former Oath Keeper. And that's who we talked about yesterday. Now, Meta appointed to the bench by Obama was the judge in Beeks's case. He ruled Wednesday there was little evidence that Beeks actually planned ahead for January 6th or was even aware of the group's alleged conspiracy. And that's according to WESA reporter Jordan Fisher. I just can't get there based on the stipulated evidence, is what Meta said. However, Meta convicted Beeks's co-defendant, Ohio resident Donovan Crowell, of the same charges after hearing evidence without a jury. Crowell had pled not guilty. 
Now, Beeks is only the second January 6th defendant to be acquitted of all charges, as we talked about. Approximately 100 others have been found guilty of at least one count after a trial decided by a jury or judge, and more than 600 have pled guilty. Beeks and Crowell, who were members of the Ohio militia, opted for what's known as a stipulated bench trial, in which the defense and prosecutors agree to a set of facts and comply with a judge's decision. There's no jury. Prosecutors have previously charged Beeks with other lower-level offenses, including illegally entering the Capitol. The pair were indicted on multiple charges, but the parties agreed last week that the bench trial would only decide two felony counts, conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding and civil disorder. In exchange, the government dropped the remaining counts. Prosecutors say Beeks and Crowell were part of a group of Oath Keepers wearing paramilitary gear who stormed the Capitol alongside the mob, and Beeks joined the Oath Keepers in December 2020 and drove to Washington from Florida before meeting up with the group ahead of the riot. Beeks, who was also a Michael Jackson impersonator, wore a jacket from Jackson's Bad World Tour along with a helmet and was carrying a homemade shield during the riot. (laughs) I feel like he was sort of easy to pick out of a lineup with that. Yeah, I can't, like, that's just a vision I can't get out of my head. Yeah. Now, Beeks was arrested in November 2021 while he was traveling with the Jesus Christ Superstar Tour. He acknowledged he joined the Oath Keepers, but Meta just couldn't find him guilty. And Beeks said, I met up with the wrong people. Crowell was different because of the the exchange there. And like I said, these are just beans to me, but I think the DOJ is setting precedent for long sentences, not just for the Oath Keepers and not just to deter future attempts, which this does but to bolster their ability to ask for longer sentences for those at the top of the coup. So we'll see what ends up happening. Thank you so much, A.G. This is from Reuters. Now, C. Bannon and Mike Flynn, two allies, as we know, of the former guy, well, they have to answer questions under oath in the voting technology company Smartmatic's defamation lawsuit against right-wing media outlet Newsmax. That's from courts. That's what the records are showing on Wednesday. Florida-based Smartmatic served subpoenas on Bannon who served as a White House strategist under Trump, and Flynn, who briefly served as national security advisor and on Wednesday, according to documents filed in Delaware State Court. Well, Bannon and Flynn, both whom have faced their own legal problems, as we know, mm-hmm. were two of the most vocal boosters of Trump's false claims that the 2020 U.S. election was stolen from him through widespread voter fraud. And they could have, they could have information on the spread of these claims that might help Smartmatic in the litigation. Smartmatic, they have accused Newsmax of knowingly spreading false claims that the voting software maker was a part of a scheme to rig the election against Trump, who was seeking re-election, and they're saying that they they rigged it in in favor of of Biden. Now, we know Biden won the election. Now, the company is seeking a total of $2.7 billion in damages across five cases. That's including against Fox, by the way, several of its hosts and former Trump lawyers, smart like Giuliani. Yeah, Smartmatic's case has played out alongside a similar defamation lawsuit against Fox News and Fox Corp by Dominion Voting Systems. We've covered that in depth with that $787 million settlement there. Now, Bannon and Flynn's representatives, they did not immediately respond to requests for comment, and neither did Smartmatic or Newsmax. A trial date has not been set in the Smartmatic case. Representatives of both companies previously have declined to say whether they are in talks over a possible settlement. Well, Bannon, who, as we know, is a little bit of a white supremacist and an alt-right kind of guy, <laughs> worked on Trump's 2016 campaign and later in the White House. He's got a podcast. Good for him. He was last year, we know, convicted of contempt of Congress for defying a subpoena from the committee that investigated the 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol. Well, Bannon, separately, he was charged in that 2020 defrauding donors. Remember that case? 
that scheme, yeah. Oh, yeah. He defrauded donors to a private fund raising efforts to boost Trump's project to build a wall along the U.S.-Mexican border. Well, Trump pardoned Bannon before that federal case went to trial. Well, Bannon now is set to go on trial next year on state criminal charges, which you cannot be pardoned for by the president related to that wall Mm -hmm. scheme. Whoopsie doodle. Yep. I hope he gets I hope he gets in big fucking trouble for this. Well, Flynn, as we know, is a retired U.S. Army lieutenant general who served as the former guy's first White House national security advisor until he stepped down after only a few weeks on the job amid revelations that he misled then Vice President Mike Pence about his communications with the Russian ambassador to the United States. Yeah. Trump also pardoned Flynn, of course he did, who had twice pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI during the federal investigation into Russian meddling in the 2016 election. Fine, upstanding fella, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Oh, that whole group. Really, the best people. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> Next up from Yvonne Sanchez at The Post, Arizona's top prosecutor is ramping up the criminal investigation in two attempts by Republicans to overturn the 2020 election results in Arizona by signing and transmitting paperwork falsely declaring Donald Trump the winner. That's according to two people familiar. This is Arizona Attorney General Chris Mays, who I love. She has recently assigned a team of prosecutors to the case. She did it in May. And investigators have contacted many of the pro-Trump electors and their lawyers, according to two people who spoke on the condition of anonymity. Investigators have requested records and other information from local officials who administered the 2020 election. And a prosecutor has inquired about evidence collected by the Justice Department and Atlanta prosecutors for similar probes. It's unclear if the investigation will broaden into other attempts to undermine Biden's victory in the state, including a pressure campaign by Trump to thwart the will of the voters. Now, Dan Barr, Mays' chief deputy, said the investigation is in the fact-gathering phase. He declined to say whether subpoenas have been issued or which state statutes the team thinks might have been broken. Quote, this is something we're not going to go into thinking. Maybe maybe we'll get a conviction. We're not going to go in thinking we're going to get a conviction or maybe we have a good chance. This is has to be ironclad, but we are in a fact-finding phase, right? And this is one of several investigations, as we know, into what happened in 2020. We know the federal criminal probe with Jack Smith, uh, appointed by Merrick Garland. Smith's team has interviewed and subpoenaed about a dozen Arizonans. In Georgia, Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis has spent more than two years now investigating efforts by Trump. Now, she's at the top of the coup. We don't know what Arizona Arizona's sort of just looking into the bottom of the fraudulent electors now. And it's because they just only recently got their new attorney general. The Republican attorney general before refused to, to do this investigation. She campaigned during the 2022 midterm election on a pledge to investigate 22 Republicans who signed the documents and the high ranking Republicans who she beat said that they weren't going to investigate. She declined to comment Wednesday, but in an interview in February, she said her administration was very, very in the very early phase of reviewing the information. Quote, there has to be a deterrent to this happening again. She said, we can't have this occurring again in Arizona or anywhere in the country. Now, prosecutors at the local, state, and federal levels have grappled with the question of whether the elector scheme violated the law. I, I'm sorry, I haven't grappled with it. It's just it violated the law. But I understand. I think they're just investigating. I don't think they're grappling. <laughs> just my two cents. And in January of 2022, Democratic state attorneys general in Michigan, New Mexico, and Wisconsin made criminal referrals about the elector scheme to the Justice Department, indicating that they believed the effort was coordinated by the Trump campaign nationally and would be best investigated by federal authorities. So, Dana, what this looks like overall is that Jack Smith is probably investigating the top of it. 
And according to this prosecution memo, this model prosecution memo from Norm Eisen, I'll just give you a little a little tease, a little teaser of that memo. He says he thinks Trump and Eastman and Cheesebro are going to be indicted for 1512C2, obstructing an official proceeding for the Pence pressure campaign, Title 18 U.S. Code 371, conspiracy to defraud the United States for conducting the fraudulent elector scheme. And then uh, 2823, I think is, maybe it's 2328. No, I think it's 2823, which is insurrection, inciting an insurrection. That's different from 2824, which is seditious conspiracy, which is the Oath Keeper stuff. But the Oath Keepers were charged with 1512C2. It's a 20-year prison sentence. And I think that's why DOJ wants to amp these sentences up, because I think they want to charge Trump with it. But I think they're going to, if they charge any electors, they're going to do that on the state level. And, uh, and you know what I mean? Like any state people. So that's kind sure. of what it seems like now. I sure hope your beans are right. I really do. Based on this information. So we'll see what happens. We know we'll, we'll find out more uh, in Georgia, but I think Fonnie Willis is going for a full Rico. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right. Now this last story, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration on Thursday approved the birth control pill Opal to be available over the counter. This is the first non-prescription birth control pill in the United States. And this is a quote. Today's approval marks the first time a non-prescription daily oral contraceptive will be an available option for millions of people in the United States. That's from Dr. Patricia Cavazzoni, the director of the FDA Center of Drug Evaluation and Research. That's what she said in a statement and went on to say, when used as directed, daily oral contraception is safe and is expected to be more effective than currently available non-prescription contraceptive methods in preventing unintended pregnancy. Now, Opal is a mini pill that uses only the hormone progestin. Yeah, that kind of bugs me about the Opal is that it only uses the progestin. But yeah, that's just, I guess, personal preference. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's, it's manufacturer, which is uh, Perigo, called the FDA action a milestone. Of course they did. And a giant leap for women's empowerment. I sure hope it is. That's what they said in a statement. Today's approval is a groundbreaking expansion for women's health in the U.S. and a significant milestone towards addressing key unmet need for contraceptive access. That's from Frederick Welgren, Perigo's Global Vice President for Women's Health. Now, Opil is expected to be available over-the-counter in stores in 2024. At a news briefing on Thursday, Welgren and Perigo is, and I quote, committed to ensuring that Opil is affordable and accessible to people who need it. Now, the suggested retail price will be communicated in the coming months. That's what she said. Kelly Blanchard with Ibis Reproductive Health, Ibis Reproductive Health, a sexual and reproductive health research organization that has advocated for the over-the-counter birth control pills. They said at a briefing that it is crucial that the insurance companies cover Opal. And this is another quote. There's more work to be done at the state and federal level to change the regulations to ensure that over-the-counter method can be covered without cost sharing. Well, the FDA has faced pressure to allow that pill to go over the counter from lawmakers as well as healthcare providers. Last month, President Joe Biden issued an executive order directing the Treasury, Labor, and Health and Human Services secretaries, quote, to consider new actions to improve access to affordable over-the-counter contraception. Went on to say these actions could include convening pharmacies, employers, and insurers to discuss opportunities to expand access to affordable over-the-counter contraception. It could include identifying promising practices regarding the coverage of over-the-counter contraception at no cost to patients and providing guidance to support seamless coverage of over-the-counter contraception. 
That's from a White House fact sheet about the order. Now, in a statement Thursday, the FDA addressed its potential effect on unintended pregnancies. The FDA said in a statement, and I quote, non-prescription availability of Opel may reduce barriers to access by allowing individuals to obtain an oral contraceptive without the need to first see a healthcare provider. Almost half of the 6.1 million pregnancies in the U.S. each year are unintended. Almost half. There's 3 million, 3.5 million unintended pregnancies. You know who's not causing those? Lesbians. I just want to let you know (laughs) that none of us are having unintended pregnancies unless something terrible has happened. Now, and also gay men, by the way. Now, unintended pregnancies have been linked to negative maternal and perinatal outcomes, including reduced likelihood of receiving early prenatal care and increased risk of preterm delivery with associated adverse neonatal development and child health outcomes. Availability of non-prescription opil may help reduce the number of unintended pregnancies and their potential negative impacts. And let me say, I know I was joking earlier because I don't want there to be any notes as a comedian. I know there are also people, straight people that are just, they did not expect this to happen. They didn't expect to get pregnant. They weren't intended to get pregnant. And that is part of this 3.1 that were unexpected. Yeah. I'm just shocked that the the half of the pregnancies in in the United States are like half of the people looking at that EPT test at home are like, damn it. You know, I, I, or, oh shit. Yeah. yeah. I I didn't know it was half sads. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I thought for some reason, I don't know why I thought more people intended to get pregnant. Um, that just shows you what I know. I did too. That's an ins- at 50%. I'm, I'm sort of shocked. Yeah. Um, and over the counter oral contraception is great. I don't think, I don't know why they can't just take the oral contraception that we already have and make it over the counter. Uh, I think that when you have a progesterone with, uh, an estrogen, it's better for you. Uh, but uh, you know, it helps protect your u- uterine line. There's all sorts of things. I'm not a that kind of doctor, so I'm I'm like Ross on Friends. I'm a dinosaur <laughs> doctor, um, so I'm not gonna uh, opine. I'm just speaking from my own personal experience, and and even in menopause now, going back on hormone replacement therapy, that it's very dangerous to just take at my age just progestin, and th- they want you to have estrogen in there too, but you know, that maybe the younger folks have plenty of estrogen and I don't, and I'm just pissed. Who knows? Who knows? Anyway, that's the news. <laughs> that's the news for today. <laughs> and uh, we have a plenty of good news to get to as well. If you have any good news, you can send it to us by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. We'll be right back with it. Stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want to tell us about like family members and friends you've reached out to and what their voting plan is or what your voting plan is. If you're having a voting party, I want to hear about it, especially in Ohio for the August special. I really want to know about that. Uh, if you have a shout out to a small business in your area, adoptable pet in your area, you want to play What the Mutt or you have a shit kid say or misheard song lyrics, a big aha moment in your life where you felt completely idiotic. I do this at least twice a day. It makes me laugh. Anything you want to share with us, please send it into us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. First up from Donna, pronoun she and her. Hello. My dog Phoebe is a literal pod pet, a podenko. 
from Spain. Is that how I say that? I don't even know. I don't know either. Danko? She's a rescue and flew in from Madrid to Los Angeles one and a half years ago. Terrified little girl who previously only lived in a kennel or outdoors. Specifically, she's a Padenko Manetto, which is a smaller, short-legged version of the breed. Pods are used for hunting small game in Spain, generally are not kept as pets, and tens of thousands are abandoned or slaughtered Aww. every year after hunting season ends. SOS Padenko Rescue in Spain partners with various European and U.S.-based rescues to find families for these incredible dogs. Our Phoebe is affectionate, smart, beautiful. She always draws attention whenever she's out in public because pods are so unusual here in the U.S., just look at her. I mean, <gasps> she is that third picture. She is so cute. Oh my goodness. These are cool looking dogs. Right? Yeah. And that that face in the third picture, you read like, hello. Yep. How do you <laughs> Why do? Why are you making me? <laughs> All right. This next one I think is definitely for me to read. And I'm 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 grateful for the submission. This is from K, no pronouns and K. Your podcast is such a mental health support to me. I don't have to spend hours reading the news to be aware of what's happening. So thank you. And this is referring to, I think, something I said yesterday. Now, reminder that trauma itself does not make people kinder, more empathic, or better. When we perpetuate this myth, it glorifies trauma. We are better if we don't have trauma to overcome. Trauma often keeps us stuck in our emotional growth. People with trauma often hurt others and pass it on to next generation through poor coping skills. Imagine if they would have not had to spend money, time, or energy on healing. And how much better their lives would have been. You are my daily life preserver. Thank you. And I want to say this. Kay, I'm so sorry that I made a blanket statement like that yesterday. And I realized that where I was coming from within my own experience or the people that I've met in my life. But I made a cause effect between trauma and who they are that probably you're right may or may not exist. And I also know that everyone has a different view of what is traumatic for them in their own lives. And so I just want to apologize if that statement um, hurt anyone or caused any sort of a negative reaction. I think you are correct. Everyone deals with trauma differently. And um, so many outcomes can happen from that. So I really appreciate the submission. And again, my apologies for the blanket statement. I don't usually make those. And I'm sorry that I did yesterday. So I appreciate the soft, the soft correction there or feedback, if you will. Yeah, it's a little feedback. And, and I, I mean, I hadn't even thought of it when you when you said that. So I'm getting a, a lesson here too. Uh, you know, but I mean, something we already knew, but, you know, I, I didn't think of it from this point of view either. So thank you so much, Kay, for yeah. pointing that out. Um, wow, that's an incredible submission. Thank you. Uh, next up from Lisa M. Hi, Beanspirations. I literally put in my <laughs> ear pods before I sit up in bed to start my day with you. This is a correction, hopefully, and some good news. July 14th is my anniversary. Get this. It's been 41 years since I joined the disabled community after being run over while riding my bike. Oh, my goodness. Although I've used a wheelchair since, I have taken a long time in accepting the disabled community as my own. Lots of internalized ableism. Now I'm on a quest to change the language and end the use of the phrase special needs. We all have special needs. Maybe just say disabled and name the accommodation. Thanks. Y'all are culture changers, so I would really appreciate your help. Did we say special needs at some point? I think it's just a general thing. You know, Lisa, I work for a company, Olivia Travel, who for a very long time had used special needs to cover people that, 
you know, maybe in motorized scooters or had some mobility issues. And because of feedback lovingly like this, they changed it to specific needs. I have specific needs. And that's one option. I love your response here. We all have special needs. Maybe just say disabled and name the accommodation. That's also an option. So yeah, I, I don't think it's something, at least that I'm aware of, well, that we've done on the podcast. she said it was a correction. Oh. She said it was a correction. So oh, from July. That's why I'm... No, da, da, da. Oh, that's fair. No, no, no. She just said it was a correction. So I think maybe... Um, I must have been out that and, day. Just kidding. I'm yep, just kidding. It was on me. Also, uh, Lisa, I want you to know that most of what we read in the news, except for our little insertions of what the fuck or, you know, the things like that is, is quoted, but I will now, I knew you've heard me change language in news stories that we read and I will keep an eye out for this and, and work on that as well. I will do my best to help you with that. Please keep sending that in if you hear it happen. So please, so we can keep on it. Uh, next up, Todd pronounced Scott. (laughs) Hello, purveyors of Beanitude. Otto the Ginger Tabby still loves your show, and he complains if he misses an episode. However, after the Pickle in a Tutu episode, Otto reminded me that Vicar in a Tutu was written by Johnny Marr, an exceptional individual, lyrics by the other one. This arrangement was consistent through their entire library of the band, The Smiths. I was introduced to their music in 85 when my college roomie returned from vacation with their first album, still one of my favorites. We love all your shows. Thank you for pointing that out, Todd pronounced Scott. You're right. It is Johnny Marr. And fuck yeah. And he's, he remember when he was playing guitar with Modest Mouse? He's amazing. He's my favorite guitarist, one of them of all time. I love that. My orange baby kitty. So cute. So Thank you for that good news. Indeed. All right, here we go. This is from Jamie, pronouns she and her. I wanted to thank the person making a plea for Etta, the cat in need of foster in the D.C. area. I think this was from yesterday's good news story. As a foster kitty mom, I wanted to share how great fostering is and encourage the animal lovers out there to give it a try. I have fostered 20 kitties and one pregnant pit bull in the past two years. And although my heart breaks every time I bring one back to the shelter for adoption, it's a bittersweet but mostly sweet feeling. Plus, I get to cuddle kittens without paying for their food or vet bills, and I can foster around my vacation schedule. Almost every rescue and shelter needs fosters. I'm including a picture of the 4th of July photos of my current fosters. As an angry progressive in Florida, I named them for some of my favorite drag queens. Mama's Bianca Del Rio. Yes, queen. Excellent. And her baby boys are Jinx Monsoon and Monet Exchange. I love Monet Exchange, by the way, Jamie. I performed with Monet in Salt Lake City. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Uh, All will be available from Orange County Animal Services in early August. Thank you both for starting my day with a smile. Look at these kitties. Oh, look at the heart-shaped nose. And and Jamie, um, please name one after my favorite drag queen, Miriam T. That's Miriam T. Thistle Twat in San Diego. Nice. She's my favorite. Oh, amazing. These babies. All right, next up, Walt Nada Defendant. <laughs> Pronouns he and him, as in Walt Nada, Walt Nada Defendant. As, as one of what seems to be about six people named Walter since 1930, it's great to hear my name on the beans, <laughs> even in this context. <laughs> My wife laughed when we were listening to the indictment rundown on Jack and AG and Andy stopped using the defendant's last name and just kept saying Walt. <laughs> we do do that. Um, yeah, keep it up. I like the, I like it in a kind of Oscar Wilde. The only thing worse than people talking about you is people not talking about you way. For my pet tax, attaches a photo of my daughter's dog, Quinn, 
though more accurately, my three and a half year old granddaughter is Quinn's little girl, including the genealogy summary on Quinn, which surprised everyone. So I'm asking you for a second opinion, which despite my strong respect for science, I will likely give more credence. Oh, oh. very nice. Oh my gosh. Take this what looks, we say this dog is. This dog, I'm sorry. This picture, first of all, this dog is adorable, but this dog looks like it's got like a a German Shepherd boxer head, head with a on with a, a dachshund, dachshund body. body. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this dog is so cute, and I don't know if you took the picture from this angle on purpose, but this looks like a Wiener Shepherd Beagle boxer mix. Yeah, so boxer Shepherd Wiener Beagle. Well, let's see what we've got. Poodle, rat, terrier, cocker, spaniel, and schnauzer. No, you got None. the wrong DNA. No, that is that, that you were switched in the hospital. These were switched in the kennel. Mm. Someone else's dog. <laughs> you got your dog switched in the kennel. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I'm sorry. There's just no way. There's just no way. Uh, and also um, 40% small poodle? 43%? I don't see any poodle in that dog. No, it's like wiry, straight, straight hair. And, and, Rat, okay. Terrier, yeah. Cocker spaniel? Any 10% miniature schnauzer? These are definitely not the DNA results from your dog. There's absolutely no way. Yep. I call no. I say no. I think you're correct. So that's a beautiful dog, though. All right. Quinn, you are cute as shit, but we just still don't know what you are. Am I next? Oh, I now can't fucking remember who read that. No, you read Walt. <laughs> okay, I'm next. We're a hot mess over here, everyone. Okay. Yes. This is from Rod. Pronouns he and him. Hello, AG and DG. Because we're living in such a shit show lately with the world burning before our eyes and the right wing trying to strip rights from women, poor people, minorities, and especially LGBTQ people, I thought I'd share what, to me, has been the best news of the year so far. Sugar Ross. Just really... Is is that how you say? Cigarose. Oh, Cigarose? They changed my life. They changed my life, Rod. Well, now I have to research. Okay. Sigarose just released a wonderful new album that is bomb for the soul to counter the shit show. I'm definitely looking this up. It's called um, Auda. It's spelled A-T-T-A, pronounced Auda. And it is stunningly beautiful. I apologize. I did not know this artist, but now I will go find them. So I figure that you and the rest of the Beans community could use something uplifting and inspirational. Rod, I'm going immediately. (laughs) This is so fun. I saw, I've seen Cigarose so many times. I saw him at uh, Copley Symphony Hall in San Diego. And I was walking around at the outside, you know, with my friend Zach, who now is the lead singer of Smash Mouth. Okay. And we ran into my friend who is the lead singer and the, well, the, the only person really in this band called Album Leaf. And we're like, oh, Jimmy, Jimmy Laval. We're like, Jimmy, oh, hey, what's up? And we jokingly say, oh, you, you going up on stage tonight with Cigarose? And he like looks at us like just totally deadpan, like only for three songs. And then we go we go back in the thing and there's fucking our friend Jimmy up on stage with Cigarose. It blew me away. Oh my God, amazing. Yeah, weird time, small world. But yeah, definitely check out Cigarose if you haven't. Next up from James in Fresno, pronouns he and him. A bit of schadenfreude. Now I enjoy schadenfreude, but Wow. Mike Lindell is liquidating everything, including trucks, machinery, and pillows of his my pillows. I had to share this with you all. I know I saw this. I cracked up all of his pillow making equipment. He's selling like pallets of pillows for like nine dollars. He's liquidating everything. He's broke. Uh, James goes on to say, I was per- perusing the selection of wares that one might acquire if one were so inclined. And I had to stop when I found my favorite 
a whole cubicle for, drum roll please, $6. (laughs) I was laughing so hard, my five-year-old asked me what was funny. I had to explain that it was just a really good deal and, well, it was schadenfreude. (laughs) So, shit, I had to introduce my five-year-old to a new word. Thanks for all you're doing. Keep up the good work. Also, in no way would I ever buy anything from that grifter, even for $6. Not one cent. Not one cent should support that piece of shit. Um, So there it is. Look, the entire cubicle, lot number 532, K-bid, going for $6. That is... Oh, the the current bid was only $5, though. You have to bid $6 if you want it. Yeah, the next required bid. And increments are only a dollar, by the way. The next required bid only has to go up $1. (laughs) So you get this lovely corner desk, the cubicle walls. It looks like a desk mat, a nice chair, a little recycle bin. Five bucks. Amazing. (laughs) Incredible. That was a great way to end um, end the week. So thank you so much for all your good news. Again, if you have any to send to us, send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here today? No, no final thoughts today. All right. My only final thought is that you all have to listen to the Jack episode this week and check out Cigaros. And thanks to everybody for your amazing pictures. And your dog is not Poodle Rat Terrier or whatever the hell. That's it. Those are my final thoughts. So uh, we'll be back in your ears on Monday. Yeah, you'll be with us Monday, Dana? I will be with you Monday. Woohoo! That's my favorite thing to hear over a weekend. So until then, please, everyone, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. And please take everyone you know with you. Yes, thank you. I've been AG. And I have been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first time lawyer, I wanna act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler, How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary. They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, Show me, in a courtroom, how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. 
This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in an Armani suit standing on the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.